we were part of another company and as a part of the spinner we had this vision of really building um, electronics into Legos and so we really believed in it. First it's having a vision and truly believing in it and then you know through um, our buyout from our previous company we had the funding to actually invest and uh, you know develop the products that we believed in. Hello, I'm Jim Fox, and welcome to the Loom Innovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live. This is one episode of a three-episode series covering the Houston Maker Fair that took place at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston, Texas, on October 21st and 22nd, 2017. The sponsor of this show, Pizometry, had a booth at the Maker Fair, and we had our recording equipment set up in the booth and invited several different makers, creators, and innovators to sit down for a discussion. In this episode, we sit down with DaVinci Labs, a makerspace in Alvin, Texas, and also with a company called eBlocks, which is a really cool Lego-compatible electronic building toy. And finally, we speak with Mr. Ripito, the lead mentor of Texas Torque, a first robotics team from Conroe, Texas. Welcome to the Loom Innovation Podcast. We're here at the Maker Fair in Houston, Texas on Saturday afternoon. I, I was about to say Saturday morning, but it's uh, got ahead of me here. We are here with uh, DaVinci Labs uh, member. Your Chris name Harris. Is Chris, Chris, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, sir. And, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time today talking to five or six different groups uh, here representing the Maker Fair. And Chris, tell us, tell us a little bit about you and why you're here. Okay, so uh, why I'm here, I'm here with DaVinci Maker Labs. I'm the, I'm the president of DaVinci Maker Labs. We're here to obviously advertise our facility, which is a makerspace, and we're here to get people energized about making things. So we're a nonprofit, and our mission is to get people to build stuff, get people you know, interested, and not just people. I mean, you know, adults, they've, they've, they've got their own motives. They'll come in to build stuff whenever, you know, that's up to them. Um, it's the kids. So yeah. we're focused on uh, K through 12 primarily. Uh, we do have some programs for uh, universities, college students, and so forth. Um, but K through 12 is definitely our focus. Um, and anything that we can do to, to, to get a child interested in, uh, well, I, say, I, I was going to say STEM, but it's not STEM anymore. It's STEAM, right? STEAM. So we're, 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 yeah, we're, we're, that acronym is going to end up being, you know, five letters or, you know, ten letters long within a year. So, and we're working on integrating the art component into that. So anything we can do that's STEAM-related, um, that we can get in front of a child and get them excited about building things or even learning, right? You know, so not everyone's into, into building something with their hands and not everybody needs to build something with their hands. They can build things with their mind. So you know, there's a, l- a lot of coding stuff that, that's going on and so forth. And, uh, and it's the developing the programs to, to enhance each one of those components in STEAM. So that's, that's why we're here. We're here to promote that. We're here to get more, more followers for that. We're here to help other people that are trying to do the same thing. Um, we're just trying to push the movement forward. Very good. And so the, the words you said there, all the key words, all the key phrases, that applies worldwide. I was about to say countrywide, but it is a worldwide audience we're trying to do. And, and the listeners of various podcasts can be anywhere in the world. So that's a really good catch-all for countrywide. But you guys are located in Alvin, Texas, a small little town south of Houston, kind of about halfway between Houston and Galveston. So what are you doing specifically to make an impact in your community that is, that is applicable to your communi- community only? 
So I, I'm not, there, there isn't anything that is uh, very different that we're trying to do and or apply for our area. You know, makerspaces are a very geographical business yes. and the business model matches that. So we're doing what we need to do to fill our effective radius, do it properly, and to maintain some type of symbiotic relationship with the neighboring makerspaces. Yes. So yes. that way we end up with a nice fluid area and ultimately we all end up affecting far more you know people right so it's you know basically maintain the community in it right because um, yes. it can get you know they're, they're businesses and businesses could get get kind of touchy with each other and so forth so we're, we're working really hard to make sure that that um, that that stays more of a community aspect now so you're, you're kind of blessed to be here in the Houston area where we've got a lot of tech technical uh, technical seal with the medical center with NASA being right next door with the oil industry and uh, just a few episodes ago, we spoke to Creator Space, a similar makerspace in League City, League City and Alvin are maybe 20 miles or so apart. Uh, are, are you doing any collaboration with any of the, the area makerspaces or any maker, any area businesses? We, so businesses, yes, collaboration directly with the other makerspaces, not in a, not a real structured sense. Um, basically, we just have, uh, we know what each other has. If someone walks through the door and they're looking for X, if we have X, we provide it. If we don't have X, we send them to someplace that does have X. Very, very, very simple arrangement. Yeah. Um, we don't have any, you know, uh, overarching business structure to handle multiple spaces and things like that. It doesn't exist yet. One of these days, I hope it will. Um, you know, a maker pass, something like that. But that takes an overarching business structure that just, uh, it's not there yet. Yeah, so I think the uh, there, there's maybe been a few, but the only real big company that I know that has tried to make a business out of this is Tech Shop. The nearest one to us is in Austin. But there is a huge movement of local community maker spaces that are not necessarily trying to make any profit. They're just out trying to, to spread the good word of STEM absolutely. and STEAM. Absolutely. That's a good thing. But they, they still got to keep the lights on though. Yeah, too. absolutely. You know, so and 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 part of and, and we're we're part of that. Um, and one of the ways that we try to keep the lights on and try to keep try to keep it, everything moving forward is we don't we don't stop at just the the, the conventional makerspace hey come build something um, there's far more ways to, to integrate into your community I mean your direct community uh, direct integration with schools so developing developing programs that you can get into schools not not expect the school to bring over a few students because you're not affecting very many people that way yeah try to get your programs in into the schools try to get your programs into other uh, or shared programs into uh, other incubation centers. There are incubators all over the place. And generally the incubators, the business incubators, don't even know what makerspaces are and vice versa. So okay. you know, you're, there's, there's business incubators all over the place where there's, there's people doing real things with real projects and they don't have any tools to build anything. Well, I, I, it's, it kind of amazes me every year. I've been to the Houston makerspace here, or, or Maker Fair for the last five years since they've had it down in Stafford. And as the, w the weeks roll up closer and closer to the event, I, I try to tell people, coworkers and friends, hey, come to the Maker Fair. And I'm still amazed at how often I get the answer of what is a Maker Fair. Yes. So yes. We've, we've still got a lot of work to do to get the PR out about that. What yes. is a Maker Fair? What is a Maker Space? What is a Maker Space? Yeah, what is yeah. a Maker? You know, they're, yeah. they are a Maker. They don't realize it. So, That's true. So, yes, yes. Every, everyone that almost everyone that walks through the door, um, it's, it's the same explanation. Do you know what a makerspace is? You know, yes, you are a maker, and you know, we go through the same the same thing over and over again. So we're we're trying to trying to spread the word. We're trying to spread the word using several different media types. Um, obviously, it's a, a bit slow trying to talk to each and individual person, 
Uh, so we're trying to use print. We're trying to use podcasts. Anything, any type of media to get the word and the definition out that says, hey, this is what a makerspace is. You're a maker. And it just, you know, and it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, how do you, how do you relay to, you know, a million people, right? How do you tell a million people what a makerspace is and, and that they're makers? You know, people will look at you, well, I don't make anything, you know? And then you start talking to her for a little bit. And they're like, oh, yeah, I used to do that. Dude, yeah, you're a maker, at, you know? At some level, all of us are makers. We're doing woodworking. We're doing quilting. We're doing, you know, so all of those yeah, things absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely apply. So, um, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, so that's about all I had on, on trying to get that, that word out. And it's, it's, it's just difficult. And I, and I appreciate, I really appreciate what Innovation Spark is doing here because this, this is a massive component to getting the word out to, to our area, our area being Houston. So, which is a big place. You guys are right down the uh, road from Alvin Community College. Uh, do you do any collaboration with them? We are working on that. That's a, uh, it's, it, it is difficult to collaborate with some of those entities, not because they are difficult, it's difficult to define a scope. Um, we've got a lot of people that come to us, community schools and things like that, and they say, we want to do this, we want to do STEAM. And you look at them, it's like, what, what do you mean you want to do, do, do steam? You know, it's, we need to define this. What, is, what does this look like? What, who's supplying what? What are we doing? Who's, where's the curriculum coming from? It is such a so, wide audience that uh, it's, it is really hard to define it. And someone who's not familiar with it, it's hard to say, well, we do anything. Well, what does anything mean? You have to really be specific yes, and talk to their language. Yes, yes. And that's, that is a difficult thing to communicate. So, uh, it's, but but once, once you do get that definition, once you do get that definition figured out, and each party knows what that definition is, and it meets their goals. Then it's smooth sailing, man. And it, and after you get that first program going, it just it just blows up, you know. But you getting that first little piece where the scope is defined and everybody knows what's going on is just excruciatingly difficult. Very good. Yeah, that, it is true. I, I've I've seen some of that struggle myself. Can you? Talk uh, for just a few minutes here of how this event here at the, the Houston Mini Maker Fair, where we're no longer a Mini Maker Fair, we are a Houston Maker Fair. Yes. How, how is that directly helping your mission? How, how is this event helping you do what you do? Well, just, just like we talked about before, the number of people, right? We're no longer many. We're bigger, right? We're reaching more people. And that's it. That's, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and we're, we're helping Innovation Spark by getting more and more critical mass. They're helping us by getting more and more critical mass, and that, that's it. It's symbiotic. This is this is just another tool, you know, in that that collaborative relationship between all these these little pieces. And it's this is just our annual annual piece of that puzzle. It is, and it is, it is right. One you make puzzles. You know what that is? Yeah, it you is. You should it, put it, the maker spaces, uh, and everybody. We should you know engrave that on a puzzle piece. Pazometry <laughs> is uh, is the sponsor of the Lumen Innovation Podcast, and we are here in the Pazometry booth. So that's part of why we're here doing what we're doing. But, but we're just trying to get a little sample of what is going on here at the Maker Fair. And we're going to talk to several people throughout the day, and the first of which was Chris from, from DaVinci Labs in Alvin, Texas. Give a little bit more of how people can reach out to you and get in okay, touch with so, you. Okay, so DaVinci Maker Labs, obviously, if you, you go to Google and type in DaVinci Maker Labs, you're going you're gonna to get us first. Um, you can uh, you know, follow that to the website, um, you know, send us an email, come into the shop. I tell everybody, you know, they say, well, what do you got? What do you can do? Uh, the list is long. Just just come to the shop. So <laughs> our know? listeners are all, all over the country, but there are a few that are in the Houston area. Uh, can you get the address in Alvin? Where, where the, the address right is, 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 is uh, 100 North Gordon Street in Alvin. Um, I 
actually forgot the phone numbers and just okay. go to the website. Uh, Gordon Street is one of the main drags in Alva. Alva's not a really big town, but it's no. uh, that's one of the main drags. And you've kind of, uh, you're only about a year or so old, right? You're relatively Not new. even a year old. We opened yeah. January 15th. So we're, we're uh, well, we'll have a big party for our, uh, our one-year anniversary. We'll be really happy about that. So. Very cool. It's good to have you here, Chris, and thank you well, for thank spending you some time much. with us. You want to give a shout-out with your daughter here? Just to sure. Kind of you want to talk on this? Talk up to, you can just you lean sure? up to the microphone. And Come here. Say hi. No. Say hi. No. Okay. no. <laughs> that's, that's, okay. My, that's, my, that's my daughter, Ava. She is, uh, how old are you? Seven. Seven? Can you say it in the microphone a little closer? No, you can't? <laughs> She's seven years old. And what, what do you, are you a maker? Do you build stuff? What do you build? Brockets, of course. It, and you do finger weaving. Yeah, I, I just want to cool. point out that you know that there's some good things in store for her because she's wearing a NASA T-shirt. That's right. How'd so. you get How'd you get that NASA T-shirt? We were hanging out with some astronauts, weren't we? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool, huh? Very cool. <laughs> we're gonna wrap up here. We got another segment coming in a All few right. minutes, but thanks for spending time with Thank us. Thank you. Chris. I uh, appreciate it. And good luck to DaVinci Maker Labs and Alvin. That's right. Come see our booth at the Maker Fair. We're here now. Come cool. check it out. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Welcome back to the Loom Innovation Podcast. We're here once again at the Houston Maker Fair in Houston at the George R. Brown Convention Center. We're here with our next guest, Jim from eBlocks. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about you. Uh, thank you, yes. My name is Jim Seymour from eBlocks. We are a new startup company that focuses on educational toys that teach the fundamentals of STEM, STEAM, and STREAM through electronic building blocks. And the best part about it is you're learning about electronics, STEM, STEAM, and STREAM, and you're having tons of fun doing it. So we just talked in our previous segment about STEM growing into STEAM, and then he kind of made a joking comment that that word is going to grow by five or ten more letters in the next year. <laughs> You've mentioned a new one, STREAM. What is stream, the R? STREAM, yes. So one of our product lines uh, is our STREAM product line. It's our stories line. It adds the reading and the writing. Ah. It is the second R in the word writing, but we still capitalize it. Okay. Um, and what it does is it adds a story. So there's the reading aspects, you're reading a story, and when you get to certain characters or objects in the story, then we show you how to build them, um, to, you know, that have the eyes and the lights of a building light up or so forth. So you're still learning the electronics part, but you're reading a story. And then the writing comes in where we're going to have a contest where you can write the next chapter of the story, have, build your own builds, and see who can write the most creative part of the next part of the story. So that adds the writing aspect. So... To the steam, we add the reading and writing, and it becomes stream. Very cool. When I was over your booth earlier today, and I, I admit I wasn't there for long, but but I saw the electronics and the electronic Legos. I guess we'll call them, even yeah. though you're not actually Legos, but Lego-like mm -hmm. uh, devices compatible. But with. I, yeah, but I didn't notice the reading and writing part. So I'm I'm really happy to hear that. That's kind of a kind of a full package deal as you're teaching the reading, the writing, plus all the electronics and all the so-called nerdy things. Absolutely. And the greatest thing about the reading aspects is in our booklets, we actually have QR links that take you to educational sites about whatever it is you're reading about. And so now the um, educational aspects go way beyond electronics because I can put a QR code into any link. Yes. I mean, we teach, uh, we sh in one of the stories, we have a Wicklow Terrier, and it takes you to a site that teaches you about Wicklow Terriers. And so you can now expand the educational aspects to absolutely anything and everything. Wow, that's, that's very good. So I could go on for a long time about that, but I'm actually very intrigued about the startup mentality, which 
which Maker Fairs are really all about celebrating that. Can you tell some of the uh, background story, of not necessarily the product, but mm -hmm. but the entity of how you go from not existing to being a startup company? Right, so it takes a, a bit of investment, okay, but um, we were part of another company and as a part of the spinner, we had this vision of really building um, electronics into Legos. And so we really believed in it. First, it's having a vision and truly believing in it. And then, you know, through um, our buyout from our previous company, we had the funding to actually invest and uh, you know develop the products that we believed in. Okay, get them um, packaging to to be able to you know show what's in the box. And uh, and you know, right now it's through our website that we're selling. Okay, okay. we've spent investment to get a website company to build us a good website. Do social media, get our name out there. We're going to shows like this. <laughs> That's basically how we've gotten started, um, is, uh, is through the website, social media, and shows like this. But we were just at the Dallas uh, Fall Toy Preview, that was a few weeks ago, and lots of the big distributors came to us, <laughs> and so we hope to be in stores you know, next year. But it really starts with a vision, and believing in that vision and investing in it. And uh, you know, if you do all that, you'll be successful. <laughs> Your few minutes are my mind exploded with all kinds of questions, I and mean, we don't have time for all of them. But uh, so I guess one thing that I've learned over the last couple of years, and you, you've maybe learned firsthand as well, is that you go to the, the toy show here, and we're in October now, and thinking, well, maybe I can sell them by Christmas, but it doesn't work that way. It's, <laughs> right. it's 10 or 12 or 15 months ahead of time. So whatever Absolutely. progress you made today helps yes. you Christmas of 2018. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there are some, like some of the dot-coms come to us today, uh, Walmart.com, so you know okay. that can get on there and you can start selling this year. But you're right, the planning for the big stores and stuff, that's all you know, 12 to 15 months ahead. So the stuff that we've been showing them now, you know, by Toy Fair in the Javits Center in New York City in February, that's where they're going to really get serious about buying the stuff for Christmas next year. That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> and your product is, uh, like you said, is Lego compatible, but you're not necessarily affiliated with Lego. Correct. But it does seem like a very smart way to do, to build on one of the more popular toys of all times. That's, Correct. That's and we really think of it as not competing with Lego. It's really enhancing the Lego experience because we think Lego is the greatest toy in the world. And our stuff, it just builds upon it to make it even cooler with, uh, you know, lighting things up. And in the future, we're going to be actually adding motors, adding sound modules. So now you can add all of the stuff to your Legos with just the parts and enhance your Lego experience. And so for now, you've got just LEDs. Just with, LEDs. With that's some right. conductive pieces. Pieces, that's so, right, so to they, create the circuits. They look yeah. and feel like Lego, but they're actually made of a metallic substance where they conduct Plated in tin, that's right. So it's conductive, but it's a safe material. All our food comes in tin cans. Okay. And so <laughs> it's very a very cool. safe material. Uh, let's, let's go a few minutes here on a different type of creativity. Mm -hmm. uh, I see the logo on your shirt. It says eBlox, E-B-L-O-X. Talk right. about the different generations of the names as you were coming up with ideas for this new business. Yeah, so um, we wanted it to be somewhat people to ask the question, what does eBlox really stand for? And the E can actually stand for multiple things. It's not education, one thing. Education, electronics. It could be education, it could be electronics, yeah. it could be enhanced Lego, <laughs> it could be just the enjoyment, uh, the, the fun of being able to do things where you learn about electronics but having a lot of fun. And so really it was uh, about having um, a term where people would ask and then, you know, because uh, we were thinking, you know, like uh, the we, people asked like, what does the we stand for? And that was also something that was like, it doesn't actually stand for anything, but it's like, you know, we, 
can mean yes in you know certain languages like yes I want this product so, and so you're referring stuff to like the that. Nintendo Wii yeah or? the Nintendo, yeah, Nintendo Wii. Wii yeah okay exactly and so yeah. it, that was kind of you know spawned our thinking on something where people will ask the questions what does that stand for and it can really mean a lot of things so so that's interesting some people want to pick a name that is extraordinarily <laughs> clear what the product is right. but you say let's pick a name that that causes curiosity yes exactly and that's, that's very intriguing that's kind right. of a neat neat concept. <laughs> I've never really thought of it that way before, but that, that's, there's no question that works. Yes. Uh, can you give us a bit of, um, you know, we, we, we go to your booth and we see these uh, products that are well packaged, they're professionally packaged, the products look good, they play, play good. Give us some horror stories of as you've prototyped through, maybe some things didn't quite work as well as you had sure. hoped. Sure, yeah. Actually, we've been working on this product for uh, over five years, and um, like the LED module is a perfect example. When we first started out with that thing, we weren't screwing the LEDs in, we were actually using the plastic top to push them in, and we found that as you play with them and pull the top, they were intermittent, and they didn't work and stuff. Okay. And so there's a perfect example of where we thought we had a nice, cheap design, you just push the LED in, but, you know, you learn right? yeah, <laughs> as you absolutely. start playing with it, going to these shows and stuff. And so that's when we went to, oh, okay, well, you have to really screw it in, make sure there's a good connection, and over time, we're actually gonna improve upon that, where you can solder it in, because screwing in takes a lot of manual labor, <laughs> okay, and so the next step is going to be to optimize the cost and, and be able to just flash, you know, um, solder these in, and so it's a process. It takes time. You're always going to optimize your, your uh, products over time. So it, I, I think I've been around enough to know that this is surely not a fair question, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but can you give me any idea of the, the product that is on your shelf now over at your booth? That mm -hmm. is Rev 3, Rev 7, Rev 50. Do you have any guess on what I that? would say it's a, around Rev 3. We've gone through, you know, the first step, you know, when we just totally prototyped and we played with it ourselves, we found tons of problems. And then we improved upon that, came to shows, still learned <laughs> and I'd say what we have now is like Rev3 already. Very yeah. cool. When you so when you guys you had a, a previous company that was bought out, you had a pile of money and you had some experience with you. Mm -hmm. uh, how did the process go from that state to getting a new company? Did you say, "All right, I've got this great idea with this Lego type thing" or did you say, "Let's just think of stuff and what what comes out of, what comes out of that session?" How did you do that? Yeah, again, as I said, it's about a vision and we did have a vision of Educational toys first, because we want it, okay. you know, to, to be something that's fun, but also, from the parents' perspective, something that your kid is learning and is going to use in life. Okay, yeah. um, and so that was a, a premise. But then also, we've always felt Lego is one of the greatest toys out there, and uh, you know, the previous company came from did do electronic uh, construction building uh, blocks, but not with Legos, and so it was kind of a natural for us to tie those two together. Um, our partners at the other company didn't want to do it, but uh, we had the vision of wanting to do it. And so that's why we've spawned off. Um, but yeah, it, it was always kind of about the adding electronics to Legos. Um, and that's, yeah. uh, you know, with the, the Legos that are, not, are not the Legos that we had when we were growing <laughs> up. Now they're, you know, with the Lego branded products, there's motors, there's the, the mm -hmm. NXT systems and all of that stuff. But, but you're right, they haven't really got into circuit building in a sense like your products are doing. So I think you're right that it is enhancing the Lego experience and definitely giving the, the students, the, the, the kids, Correct. a different way to explore that. And everything you see out there now with the stuff you mentioned that Lego has uses wires. <laughs> and our That's stuff true. is yeah. all going to be through the parts, through the plated parts, so you're actually building three-dimensional circuits with your with uh, your structures. When you were showing me that uh, <laughs> over at your booth uh, a little while ago, I was thinking that that actually 
can drive designs that if you start to build a house, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be careful how you build the house such that the, the circuit is right. possible. Exactly. So you can't just throw it together <laughs> like any other Lego. You've got to change the way you build that thing. And it's, you know, I've built some of those master builds over there, and it is a new level of fun. <laughs> yeah, because you've really got to think about it. You've really got to plan it out. And some of those mosaics that we over, like the robot, uh, Maker Fair robot that I built, the mosaic, the, the whole circuit that's underneath there really has to be thought out, well planned. I actually use an Excel spreadsheet to do that. <laughs> wow, okay. That's, so that's you're learning, good. you know, you can actually uh, learn about using Excel. So you <laughs> guys are, are here out of uh, the Chicago area, right? Correct, Buffalo Grove, Illinois and is you where came, we're based. You came here just for this event plus another event that maybe didn't work out, but, yeah. you're, but you're here more or less just for this event? Uh, right now. Uh, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. So how is uh, this event, the Maker Fair here in Houston, how is it directly contributing to what you're trying to accomplish? How is that helping you? So the main thing we're trying to do is get the word out about eBlocks because we are a new company. Okay. Um, we're trying to get our brand name out there. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, getting the feedback from the public on what's good and what, you know, we need to improve on. Okay. Um, so um, and this place is about Maker Fair. It's about making things, that's what our product is. Uh, our steam product, which is the basic um, plated parts and the battery module and the LEDs, we don't provide manuals. It's about you know your own creativity, you build the structures, you're making the things out of your own imaginations. And so it really fits with Maker Faire. That's, well. that's good, and you mentioned that you don't include instructions, and it reminds me that we are we are here in the piezometry booth, and these puzzles are challenging, <laughs> but they are not shipped solved. They are shipped with a bunch of random pieces in a box, and good luck mm -hmm. trying to put them together. Exactly. And, and I, that the story from Kickstarter, when these products were on Kickstarter, a message was sent out to all of the backers, do you want these to be shipped out solved or not solved? And the answer was like 80%, no, we don't want them solved. Correct. So right. that's, that speaks a lot for the customer that, that they're, they're kind of naturally curious. Don't, don't don't spoon feed us. Make you know, give us a challenge. Absolutely, and yes. You're and, and so, that too, huh? right, and yeah, yeah and there's still the twenty percent that you said that like manuals in our stories line does provide the uh, the manuals where you can build them if you're the type that likes that too. Okay. But we want to encourage creativity because the minds when we go to shows like this and we see kids, you know, you just kind of show them how it works and then you let them go off. It's amazing the things that they build with this stuff. It's the creativity and and the minds of our children. It's just amazing. So you mentioned that your products are mm -hmm. soon to be in various venues on, online at various websites mm -hmm. and, and stores. Are they on the market now? Can someone go right now and buy them? So right now we're online at our website at okay. www.myeblox.com, M-Y-E-B-L-O-X.com. And okay. so you can buy any of our products there. And we're in a, a few small stores right now. Okay. okay? Um, yeah. But uh, we, we have uh, several key lead opportunities. Like you said, a lot of them are for next Christmas, but a few of them might be this year. We'll see. Okay, very good. Have you, have you managed to get feedback from customers yet? Have you heard uh, any good or bad news back from the, the Mostly, customers? you know, this this is about our eighth show this year, okay, that wow. we've been okay. to. Okay, we've been to lots of shows. Good. And the feedback has all been tremendous. Every, everybody thinks this is the coolest idea, and uh, yeah, they they really love it. It's uh, it's amazing. There's, a, there's several other Lego booths here at this event, mm -hmm. and some of them are just ridiculously complex builds that they've done. <laughs> yeah. And one of them specifically I noticed is uh, this booth is for adult Lego lovers. <laughs> and and it's that that is a demographic yeah. that you really wouldn't expect to see, but the, but it's a real demographic. Sure. It, it is absolutely real. Absolutely. Yes. And the other feedback that we get is that our stuff is really unique, um, you know, because you walk around and there are tons of Lego stuff around here, but we're really unique in that, you know, you light it up without any wires. 
Um, and also, you know, another thing is part of your startup when you have your vision and you're doing things, an important thing is to patent things. <laughs> okay? Oh, indeed. And indeed. we have done that. We have patented the whole process, plating process, um, so that any part that is conductive in X, Y, and Z dimensions is covered by our patent. So and that is not so to we be are under. unique and we are covered <laughs> to protect ourselves. That process is expensive. That is not to be underestimated. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> if uh, anyone's out there with a good idea of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, don't forget the budget don't for patenting. Don't forget that. Absolutely. That's, that's very that's expensive. Right. <laughs> uh, we're about out of time here on this segment, but go ahead and give the listeners one more shout out of how they can get in touch with you, how they can find your products, how they can find you. Okay, great. Again, we are eBlocks based out of Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Um, right now, the main place to find our products are, is on our website at www.myeblox.com. That's www.myeblox.com. And uh, look for us in stores in the future. <laughs> Very cool. Do you have a Facebook or Twitter account for the products? Um, I don't have it on me right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, MyEblox.com yeah. it is then. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you for being with us, uh, Jim from eBlocks. And okay. thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast. Thank you. Take care. Let's break out of the program here for a few seconds to give a shout out to our sponsor, Puzzometry, the hardest puzzle you'll never solve. If you love working on challenging, unique, and beautiful mechanical puzzles, then you've just got to try Puzzometry. P-U-Z-Z-O-M-E-T-R-Y, Puzzometry.com. They have three different puzzles to choose from, and all are for sale at Puzzometry.com. Check it out. You'll be glad that you did. Puzzometry can also be found on Twitter and Facebook. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation. Before we get back to the program, I want to let you know that you can find all of the episodes of the Luminovation podcast on our webpage, luminovation.com. That's L-U-M-Innovation.com, luminovation.com. We are also on iTunes as well as soundcloud.com. Welcome to the Luminovation podcast. Uh, we're here once again at the Houston Maker Fair at the Georgia Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston. I'm here with a fellow we call Mr. Rip. His name is Scott Ripito. Scott, what do you do? Uh, I'm a robotics instructional coach for Conroe Independent School District. I used to be a physics teacher for 30 years. When I retired, they created a job for me. Okay, and Conroe is just north of Houston, up kind of near the woodlands, about 30 or so miles from north of downtown Houston. And uh, you've got kind of a good neighborhood up there to be building a STEM program. That's fairly well off and some, some reasonable resources in the community. And that's helped you. You've recently built a new add-on to your school to help your robotics team, right? Yeah. Uh, about uh, four years ago, the students decided to talk to the school board. And the superintendent said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Talk to me first. And I'd like to, maybe I can give you some pointers. And uh, they actually pitched a STEM center, kind of like Katie has. And uh, he said, our district's kind of spread out. That really doesn't work for us. But tell me what you want, and we'll see what we can do about it. And so they included it on the bond issue. And this past June, we opened up a 7,500-square-foot robotics facility. And that's a several million dollar deal. That's what, six or seven million? I've heard anywhere from, originally I heard just under three million up to about four and a half million dollars. So, and so I, I don't know that I've actually been inside those rooms, but I've been in the rooms adjacent to it. And it, it, it is basically like building on a brand new wing to the school, with maybe something the size of a gym and all the locker rooms. It's more or less like adding an athletic facility sized 
thing on the side of the school, but it is specifically for STEM education and robotics. Is that yep. correct? Yes, and uh, they're using it now. They have uh, four classes being taught in there, two principles of engineering and two robotics one classes. Uh, the school hired a robotics instructor uh, just because of the facility so they could make use of it during the day. And then Texas Torque and other uh, robotics programs are using it in the afternoon and evenings. Okay, so some of our listeners uh, on episode three, I think it was, we were up at Carbondale, Illinois during the eclipse and we talked to an FTC team up there, but, and we briefly mentioned FRC, but go ahead and give the listeners a shout out to what FRC is. Well, FRC, First Robotics Competition, is uh, kind of the top tier robotics competition in the first family and we're talking high school students building robots that weigh up to almost 150 pounds. Uh, they get 45 days to build kind of the first robot and then teams like ours we build a second and maybe part of a third robot as part of our practice robot. Robots have pretty sophisticated control systems uh, and those are fairly well defined what we have to use, but then the rest of it is wide open. So we uh, we build a lot of parts in house. So right now we have four CNC mills in our shop. That's amazing that that 18 year olds, 16 year olds are having access to those tools. You and I have been doing this for approximately the same number of years. We're both pushing two decades of being involved in uh, in FRC. Maybe you're a few years longer than that. When did you start? Well, my first experience was in uh, 97, 98. Okay, so you're a couple years longer than me. Uh, I started I, in 2001, so. But then I took a break. Okay. So uh, so we're probably about the same, but I've been doing robotics nonstop uh, since about 95, just one version wow. or another. So. so a lot of experience. The, 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 I guess the reason I mentioned the, the longevity there was not to necessarily pat ourselves on the back, but to to point out the way this has changed. You mentioned you've got CNC mills in your shop. And I remember in 2001 when I started with one of the area teams that we were cutting parts with hacksaws and drill presses and that is rarely even done on a prototype bot now. It's done, you know, it's amazing how much has changed. Talk about what you've seen over the years and how that's changed and evolved. Well, you mentioned the hacksaw. So when I used to coach a best robotics team, it was kind of a rite of passage for a new person on the team to cut the wheel mounts out of this six inch by six inch by half inch aluminum plate okay. with a hacksaw, you know, and wow. so it took them a long time. <laughs> Usually the blade was kind of dull. And, and you have sore arms at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, and so we don't do that anymore. And that's kind of sad because like I said, it was a rite of passage, like everybody had to do that when they first started. But uh, yeah, it's it's just been uh, amazing watching. It, I mean, just take FRC in, in 97, 98, 99, the, drive motors were drills that yes. were surplus and then uh, and now we're buying stuff off the shelf uh, gearboxes and all that sort of stuff yeah we you're right we use the DeWalt drills we would take a, an off-the-shelf DeWalt drill that you could go buy at Home Depot and disassemble it in a very particular manner such that we would have not much more than a motor and a gearbox and that was the drivetrain for the for these robots for a lot of years but but now there is an entire cottage industry of, of maybe a dozen or so different websites we all buy from and it's amazing that those industries have, have been born out of this high school robotics competition. Uh, you know, you've probably, what are the top three or four that you do without necessarily, we're not trying to give them a shout out, but right. why not, right? They, they help us a lot, so. You know, uh, we buy a lot of stuff from Vex Robotics, and yeah. they used to be one of our sponsors for a while. Okay. Uh, Andy Marks, another one. Uh, we buy a lot of stuff now on Amazon, and, yeah, that's uh, true. and a lot of stuff from McMaster Car. Those are probably our 
you know, where most of our money goes that we spend, which can be about $10,000 when you, it's all said and done it on does, a robot. It does definitely add up. We, we spent a few minutes talking about the mechanical aspects, but let's not underestimate the electrical and programming aspects. The, the uh, brains of these robots now is a specific version, a custom-made version of an off-the-shelf product from from National Instruments. It's very similar to the Compact Rio that's been out for several years, but they have made a part just for us called the Robo Rio. But it is electrically very similar to what uh, industries all, all over the country are using to do their million dollar projects. So our students are getting that kind of experience. Uh, have you, uh, you've been around enough years, can you talk about some of the success stories your students uh, have done from having this hand-on experience and then going through college, getting jobs, and, and kind of finishing the loop? Well, our, our lead programmers each year have just have gone off to do amazing things once they once they leave. I, I think what they've really enjoyed about FIRST is, uh, you know, their formal programming training has been in pieces. And FIRST is an opportunity where all the pieces come together to make a robot work, and then they see this thing come to life. And, it, you know, that's something really special when you're a programmer, so, you know, instead of you know, your uh, Hello World program and you have something show up on the screen. You actually have a robot interacting and uh, it with is, its environment. It is a major eureka moment for new software students to come in and, and tap around on the keyboard and then uh, a few feet over they see a motor spinning for the first time. And that, that you're right, that is a different kind of light bulb going off uh, than, than the Hello World program or seeing something on the screen move. If you're, you're changing software code and hardware is moving, that, that is is as inspiring as anything we do uh, for new students coming to a robotics team. The funny part, when you have the, you mentioned hardware. <laughs> so you, you always have this constant issue where the hardware people are saying it's something's wrong in the program and the programming people <laughs> are saying, oh no, no, this is something's wrong with the electronics. And you know, the hard part is trying to troubleshoot, which yes. I think is a skill that we basically don't teach in school but something they really get from FRC, because the robots have problems all the time. These are custom-made machines, and yes. so things happen. You don't crimp one wire correctly, and it creates a nightmare to try to track down. I know in our shop, there's, there are times when, when uh, I'll see a particular failure, and I kind of more or less shut down the shop and say, okay guys, let's just gather around, and let's all think through this together. Maybe for you or me, where we've seen these things for 20 years, it, it's obvious what's wrong, but to the new students, maybe it's not. So it's time to slow down the shop and get everyone focused on it. It's like, let's go through the process. You know, is there an electrical signal? Is, is the 12 volts where it should be? Is, is the mechanical thing bound up? And, and you go through the, the diagnostics, and, and it is a it is a skill set that is not learned anywhere else. Uh, it first does provide as well-rounded as an education opportunity as you'll ever find in any high school. It is definitely good that way. Well, and for us, uh, you know, when the teams start getting bigger, I think of our team as almost a small company. We have yes. all the same pieces involved, uh, money and uh, media, the robot side of things. Um, and so it's, it's a, I mean, it's a great experience and we're very much a student-led team. We've been lucky the last, just the last uh, few months, we picked up a couple of new mentors that are gonna be great additions. Uh, but we've been a student-run team for a long time, and I think that makes the kids extra special when they go off to college, yeah, what they can do. If you empower them at that age, they, that carries on for the next 50 years. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no question they, they grew up to be leaders. I, I think uh, to build on what you said a few minutes ago, I think you'll be happy to hear that most other teams in the area 
recognize you also as a business type team that you, know, you guys come in, you, you're dressed the part, you've got your shirt on now that is a, a more of a formal look than the typical t-shirt. Uh, your team is always well organized. Uh, speaking of organized, you guys do organize an off-season event coming up here in the in the very near future. Right. Uh, talk about that a little bit. So November 11th, we have the remix. It'll be at College Park High School. Starts about 8.30 in the morning that Saturday and runs till about 4.30. Right now we have 31 teams signed up. We've got a couple of robots coming from Mexico, one from Louisiana, the rest are from Texas. Uh, we have several pre-rookie teams, which is, that's, Really why I like our event is because it's so late that these pre-rookie teams can, they formed and they can come and get some experience before they go to a regional. Yeah, it is, it is definitely good for rookie teams. It's also good for rookie mentors or rookie teachers to come in and, and in a relatively low pressure environment, get to see uh, what this is all about and kind of catch the fever before the season starts. And yeah. And Get them hooked. Yeah, absolutely, and it and it does it does work for that. Uh, we also use it. I'm sure your team does too, but we use it as an opportunity to get uh, different students in different roles. So if there's a, a student that maybe doesn't think they can be a driver, but they maybe want to try it, here's a chance to do it with relatively low consequences. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, we're doing the same thing with uh, with our scouting lead. That's his first opportunity to really stretch his legs and see if he's you know how he's going to handle that. Uh, our driver's pretty well set because he's returning, but our operator is kind of an open position. And then looking at our backup drive team, we like to get some people in there and see what they do. So, Very cool. So we're here at the Maker Fair in Houston, and uh, our previous segments talked a little bit about what the Maker Fair is. Maybe you've got something to add to that, but, but uh, more importantly is how is this event helping you to accomplish the goals of, of your team and why you're here? Well, the main reason why we're here is this just a great outreach opportunity. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of lot of people coming in, adults and kids that are interested in, uh, you know, STEM, and first robotics is a fantastic way for them to get that experience. And so, they're getting to see our team, and uh, there's five or six other teams over there and try to connect with them. I like to try to hook up people so they contact me and then I try to find out what's available in their area for them to work with. Yeah, I was gonna add on, add on that. So our listeners are perhaps all over the world, but certainly all over the country. Uh, and there's, you know, not many of them are necessarily here in Houston, but how can a listener out there that's interested in this find a team near them and how can they plug in and help that team? How can they become a mentor or a sponsor? Well, you, I know that for the first website, uh, you can, firstinspires.org. Yeah, firstinspires.org that you can actually search on their website for teams and events that are in your area. I find that the information there is most accurate for FRC. Uh, yeah. Like FLL and FTC, those teams are a little, they fluctuate a little bit more. But with FRC, it's a lot easier to find teams that way. Uh, so that would be recommendation if you just want to see if there's somebody in in your area uh, you could also just look at uh, the schedule of events and see what's going to be close by uh, I found that the the first inspires.org website was on the last few years rebranded it used to be usfirst.org now it's first inspires and because they've got so many programs and it's such a big complex website with tons of information it can sometimes be overwhelming to a new person a, a website that's not directly affiliated with FIRST but is a support is thebluealliance.com. Uh, the reason I mention that is that because it's a much quicker intuitive interface to go and Google, or I'm sorry, not good, but just do a search on that website, 
for teams near my, nearby. You can search for your town. You can search for events near you. I think that would be an easier place for a new person to come in and just mm -hmm. find a team or an event nearby. Um, that website is not affiliated with FIRST, but it's come up to help support the community. But for a new person, I think that's a quicker, easier resource. But, but you, uh, firstinspires.org is the official website for FIRST. That's definitely a good thing. Uh, we're running toward the end of our time slot here. Can you give a shout out um, real quick to how do we reach out and find your team, find more about you? Well, if you want to find out more about our team, we have a website. It's texastorque.org. Uh, and students are pretty good about keeping it updated. And it's got my contact information on there. But my contact information is mr.rip. So that's Mr. Rip at texastorque.org. And I'm happy to. Uh, you know, field emails and try to direct people to the right, uh, right sources, right connections to help them. Because this is, I mean, I just love doing this stuff. I can't imagine, or I couldn't imagine back when I was in, uh, you know, back in junior high and high school that I would end up dealing with robots all the time. So Yeah, and I'm, I'm the same way. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, for the listeners out there, Texas Torque is, uh, I'm not going to try to make you blush or get embarrassed, but uh, Texas Torque is, is legitimately one of the premier teams in Texas. Uh, there's uh, maybe three or four teams in Texas that are up at that level. Texas Torque is no doubt one of those teams. Uh, you guys were world champions in what year? Uh, 2013. We won the world championship. What a trip that was, I'm sure, huh? It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. Everything. Everything happened so fast, we never really had time to be scared or anything during the competition. Our field actually was the latest running division, so as soon as our division finished, we had to run over to Einstein and didn't have any time to really think about uh, anything. I uh, could be totally wrong, but was that Newton division you were in that year? Uh, I think it was, yeah. Okay. We were with 118 and, uh, and Symbotics. Uh, yeah. we, had to, we had to play through them uh, to make it to Einstein, so. Uh, you guys are, you know, you're world champions that year and you're a force to be reckoned with every single year in the regionals and the tournaments around this area here in Houston and, and Dallas and, and Alamo and you guys travel to a few other tournaments outside of that as well. But, but you guys are a legitimate team and you're a team that the, the smaller teams around here, uh, young and old, are looking up to to say, hey, we, we strive to be as good as, as these guys are. And much of that success I know comes from the top. You've been doing this for a long time and you, you, you've been doing it very well for a long time. Well, you know, the kids are the kids are great too. The the kids have really taken to my message, which is I if I could kind of distill it down to one thing is I just want us to be the good guys, and you know, and that yeah. people are uh, when we when we won in 2013, we beat uh, 469 Los Gorillas on the way, and so we saw them at the Indiana Robotics Invitational, and I went up and I kind of apologized, you know, for we were blocking some of their shots. They were they were said, look, of all the teams we wanted to lose to, you know, Texas Torque was one of those, you know, that's the team. We were happy to see you guys win it if we could. Yes, yeah, uh, first is uh, it's kind of a unique sport. You know, we're, we're knee-deep in baseball playoffs here. We're right across the, the street from Minute Maid Field where the Astros are hopefully going to the World Series tomorrow, right? Yeah. Or, uh, or tonight, later tonight, rather. But in, the, in those more traditional sports, there's always a good team and a bad team. You know, if you're in Houston, everyone hates the Dallas Cowboys, for instance. <laughs> but, but in first robotics, I never hear that rivalry. Everyone is for everyone. I never hear, man, Texas Torque sucks. We, we want to beat them so bad. You never hear that in this sport. No. This is never, it's not the way that, that it is where we, we call that. What is the term we use for that? Uh, gracious professionalism. Gracious professionalism. And we, we absolutely... I, I, it, it works in our sport. There, there are no 
there's rivalries, but it is not a, I want to beat you. It's uh, we're happy to play with you, and man, we hope we win. Yeah. It's, it is, it's, yeah. it's a unique uh, factor in our sport. It's really cool. But, uh, well, thank you for being with us, Mr. Rip. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and thank you for helping to make the first community in Houston so much better. You, well, you guys are definitely doing it. You're welcome, and thanks for an opportunity to talk. Cool, and thanks for listening to the Illuminovation Podcast. I'm Jim Fox, and thank you for listening to the Luminovation Podcast, where we shine a light on innovation, creativity, entrepreneurship, and the creative people who make our world a better and more interesting place to live.